Week three, plant it. Um, let's go ahead and let's get into it. So we have, we have two boys, a 13 and a 70-year-old. And um, in, in their lifetime, they've traveled more in, in their lives than my wife and I in our first 30 years of living. Yeah. So they've been some amazing places. And um, we're just grateful for them because wherever they go, we have to go. So it gives us the opportunity to go to these places with them. And uh, they've, been, they've been amazing places. And I can, I can name some, some cool parts about going to these different cities. Um, you know, one city was super hot, but it was like, it was awesome. I couldn't complain too much because it was awesome. Um, we're always good for Disney, which is home, but Disney is, is good every other year in our family, and Disney just gets better. Uh, it's like the happiest place in the world, they say, so they say. Um, so they say. Um, I have been a few places they haven't been, but they've been cooler places. Um, so like, um, you know, I've, we've had the opportunity uh, a couple years back to go to the White House, and that was, that was awesome. That was pretty cool. Um, and we went as, as pastors. Um, and if you know my story, um, I've had the opportunity to, you know, visit some of the toughest areas uh, in a community and then to see God take you from there to a place like the White House. It's just been cool to be in these different, these different places and these different environments. And you get different benefits from going to these places, right? You get the experience itself, the joy, the connection, um, the fun involved. And all these kind of temporary, um, short-term benefits of going to these places. But I, I must admit that there is no place in the world, no place in the world. And I, I got to encourage you, you sit, you sit in this very place right now. There's no place in the world quite like the local church. Um, that being a healthy local church. Because not all churches are, are healthy. Not all churches are good. And um, not all pastors are good. Um, there are some bad pastors out there, some bad churches with bad motives. Um, but when you find that place yes, yes. Uh, and you stick with that place, and God may transition you in a future season, but the goal is to get you to another healthy place. Right. There's no place like the local church. Everything else is short term. It gives you a feeling. It gives you, you know, the chills. It, it gives you, oh, man, that was fun. But when you're, when you're consistently and you're constantly planted in the local church, it's an amazing thing. And I was just, in my study time, I was just thinking of a few, um, a few blessings or benefits or just how God has opened heaven over my life as a result of being planted in a healthy local church. And um, just a few things. We can pull it up. Um, number one, um, I found healing in the, in, in, in the local church. Um, and I'm still finding healing, emotional healing, uh, relational healing, be it with parents or uh, relatives or uh, my spouse. Even, even uh, Pastor Kyra and I, we, we're still finding healing through the local church. Uh, my mentality, personally, like I used to think a certain way. And that mentality was causing me to get further and further away from the things of God and the plan of God. And uh, while it was fun, while it was popular, while it was uh, kind of cultural, it was not of God. 
the Bible talks about the flesh and the spirit. And so my mentality was dominated by the flesh. But when I met Christ and when I came into a relationship with the Holy Spirit, um, God began to, to shift my mentality to the things of God. And um, I, I found more clarity being rooted in the local church. I found more peace, um, which also led to direction. I finally found direction for my life when I decided to be planted in a local church, not just raise my hand on an Easter Sunday and say, Lord, I give my life to you because right, right, Easter's right. awesome or right. Christmas or Mother's Day or at the funeral or at a wedding. You know what I mean? But it was when I when when I planted my life, uh, the direction became clear um, and you, you're no longer looking for a career, but you're just looking for the right direction. And simply put, the direction is to follow Christ. Yes. And, and he makes all that stuff clear as you follow him. Right. We were listening to a song on the way to church um, by Elevation Worship called This is the Kingdom. And it's based on Matthew 633, right. where uh, Jesus teaches, seek first the kingdom and everything you need will be added unto you. Right. What we're doing is we're seeking other things. Mm -hmm. And the things that we really need aren't being added. Right. And we're wondering why. It's because we're seeking the wrong thing. Right. We're going in the wrong direction. And, so, and then education, y'all. I was a B student. I'll be real with you. I was a B student. I may have snuck an A in there, a C or two. I was a 3.0 student. Like I, I was good enough to get by. Um... And I don't want to discourage my straight airs, all right? But don't be offended by what I'm about to say. Um, but the research confirms that your boss is going to be a C or B student. So I did enough to get by. And now I'm a boss. So, um, I'm still young. All right. Humble me, Lord. I'm sorry. I apologize. Don't do nothing to me this week. I said I'm sorry. But I will say, when I finally came to Christ, um, I, uh, my, the first three semesters in college, I had a 2.1 GPA. When I started following the Lord, those last five semesters, all A's. And I don't know what it was, but it was just got on my grind. I understood. Like, guys, I'm going to tell you how smart I became after I started following Christ. <laughs> Has anyone ever taken biochemistry? Show of hands. Did you take it in college? Yes. You don't like it, do you? No. Terrible. You like Yeah, I like it. Right? I didn't like organic chemistry. That was, that was before Christ. So I definitely just got by. But bio is harder. Yes. Y'all, I got so smart after I got planted in a local church. I got so smart that I was exempt from my biochem final. Because, my, come on, I'm telling you, I don't, it's supernatural. But I averaged a 99 that entire semester in biochem. And I'm like, wow, Jesus is, he's the man, he is Lord. I've been stupid all my life, but when I came to Jesus, and then, you know, another thing was I was, I was in a church and my, my baby boy was asking me the other day, like, how did um, you, you and mom meet? 
and because um, we finally had the family talk about everything, and now he's growing up and he understands like the whole situation, and that talk was powerful, right? We cried and and we told him everything. It was great, and he was like, "Happy ending." <laughs> we're like, "Okay, this is gonna work. We're good. Everyone's we're on the same page. No more secrets. It's all cool." But I, we told him how we met and um, found my spouse. And got my children, my wonderful, my oldest son here, Jay. Can we give it up for Jay? Jay's in the front row. Um, so Jay taught me how to be a father before we had Judah, you know. Jay, Jay, my guy Jay, you know. My finances got in order and, and my influence grew all from being rooted in a healthy local church. And so I love this, this verse in Psalm 27, verse 4 by King David. Watch this. Because a lot of you are looking for something to dedicate your life to. Something that's going to give you meaning. And uh, we know, most of us, David and Goliath, but we don't know David until we really read David. But David said this. He says, um, I have asked the Lord for one thing. One thing only do I want. I want nothing. I don't want money. I don't want fame. I don't want more followers. I don't want popularity. I don't want mansions. I don't even want to be the king of Israel. There's one thing I want, that if I do that thing, everything else will come. come on now. It's one thing I want. And that's to live in the Lord's house all my life. To marvel there at his goodness and to ask for his guidance. Amen. Amen. He said, there's one thing I want. I don't want anything else. I'm I'm a shepherd boy. I love playing the harp. I love serving King Saul, who's trying to kill me. Lord, I'll fight a giant if you need me to with some stones. I'm I'm a simple guy. There's one thing I want. And because of that, God added to his life because he prioritized the house of God. David would go on to be the greatest king that Israel ever had. And there's another verse that said that David shepherded the children of Israel with an integrity of heart and a skillful hand. Mm -hmm. He wasn't all that impressive. He just had a good heart and he had the gifts he had and he maximized them. And God just blessed his life. So I remember reading this when I was 19 years old. And I had to be a few months into Christ. And I, I, I I won't even lie, I had a strong prayer life. You know, you, you know, when you first come to Christ, you, you start, you're on fire oh, yes. and you, you got to fight to get that back. The, the older you get in the Lord, but a strong prayer life every night, I'll put on worship, get on my knees, get at the foot of my bed. And I came upon this verse and I got on my knees and I said, Lord, I don't know what you're calling me to. I don't know what your plans are for my life. And I told God, I said, but. I dedicate my life to being planted and rooted in building the church. Wherever you send me, I will build the church. I will be in the house of God. And that one decision altered everything in my life. That one decision, 
David says, there's one thing I want. I want to live in the Lord's house all my life. So I want to live in it here. And when I die, I want to be in heaven. There's one thing. I don't want anything else. And I love the, the, uh, the theologian F.B. Meyer. He's a 19th century theologian. He said this. He had a commentary on this verse. I love his language. He says, one purpose dominated, talking about David, his prayer in life. It was never long absent from the psalmist's thought. The men of one idea are irresistible. The man and the woman who was single-minded about the house of God. Watch this. God cannot resist. They're, they're, they're irresistible. There's something that draws the favor and the presence and the spirit of God to people who genuinely want to be planted in the house of God, who want to worship, who want to serve, who want to give, who, 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 who wants God to use them. There's something that God draws to when he finds hearts like that. And, and, and then, then, so then the enemy begins to fight it. But as you remain planted, yes. God gives you decisive victories over Satan. Yes. So for some of you, I don't want you to be surprised. Like if you just joined a light group or if you just started the mentorship program, uh, the flourishing mentorship, or if you just finished highlight leadership a few weeks ago, don't be surprised if things turn a little upside down. Because you're taking steps of faith in the things of God that you've never taken. And now Satan knows that he no longer owns you. And so he's going to start. So if you're feeling tired as you enter into your meeting with your mentor, there's a reason. The enemy is cutting it up a little bit. But you, as you remain committed, God's going to give you decisive victories over Satan. And you're going to grow in strength and wisdom and peace. And it's all a part of the process. So um, over over 16 years, the church, I want to just hang on two thoughts today. Um, nothing too deep. The church has been, number one, a place of power. It's been a place of power. And it says this here in Luke 24. These are the words of Christ. He says, and now here it is. Jesus said this. I will send the Holy Spirit. Just as my father promised, but stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes. You see that? Don't move. Don't jump. Don't uproot. You got to stay planted. Stay here in the city until the Holy Spirit comes and fills you with power. Someone say power, power. from heaven. So the church is a, is a place of power. I remember... Um, it was October uh, 2006, and for about a month or so, my best friend had been inviting me to a Bible study. And every time I would tell him no, I would close the door in his face, and I would turn up my Lil Wayne and my Jay-Z and my T.I. And I'd say, bro, I'm, I was raised in church, dude. I'm, I'm good. You do all that churchy stuff. Okay, I'm good on that. All right. And then finally one day, he said, come for me. Just, just try it out for me, bro. And I'm like, ugh. You hit me with it for me. 
So I went, I said, oh, what, what's, you know, what harm is it? I don't want to change my life, so I'll just go. And I went, and the Lord, I had never seen a, a pastor like this. The Lord, uh, <laughs> I, was, so I was 19. This pastor was uh, 25 years old. And I'd never seen a pastor wear white tees. Back then, we wore white tees, Kingsley. We had white tees. They were long. And, you know, it was, I have no idea why we dressed that way back then. Um, but he was young and hip and cool. And he opened the Bible. And, and honestly, I was raised in a Baptist church. And for 17 years... I never really understood anything that came from the pulpit. All I knew is that at the end of every message, Jesus was dying. We're putting him on the cross. Then he's resurrecting three days later. And we're going to stand to our feet and clap. Every sermon ended with that. But when this young man opened the scripture and he began to break it down and make it clear the Holy Spirit was doing something in that. He was drawing me to how, um, um, how relatable he was, this pastor he was using. And he was also drawing me to the clarity of God's word and the power of God's word. And so six weeks into that Bible study, um, we're in uh, the English building on Florida A&MU's campus. And uh, he asked, does anyone here want to give their lives to Jesus? And everything in me is like, today's my day. The Holy Spirit's like calling me, and I couldn't deny it. He had just taught on demonic oppression versus demonic possession. Jeez. I'm like, this is deep for a new, a new person. <laughs> <laughs> but I could clearly tell that I was oppressed. Yes. I was oppressed by lust. I was oppressed by a lying spirit. I was oppressed by an apathetic spirit, a selfish spirit. And deep within me, my soul wanted freedom. And so the Holy Spirit was saying, tonight is the night that you're giving your life to me. And so we, we you know, we joined hands and we prayed and I'm like, I'm good. <laughs> it was that flesh and spirit battle. There's a war there. I'm, like, I'm good. We pray, and so we, you know, we break off, high five, dapping up. All right, see you tomorrow, blah, blah, blah. And I pull him over, and I said, uh, uh, Pastor, I, th I think I'm ready to give my life to Christ. And he said, great, man, come on, let's, let's go back in here. Let's pray. And uh, we prayed, and uh, we prayed a prayer of salvation. Lord, give my heart to you, give my life to you, in Jesus' name, amen. He said, man, you did it, man. Welcome to the kingdom. You're saved. Heaven is your home. The Holy Spirit is in you. Yes. And he, let, he leaves and my best friend is waiting on me. Walk out. And I'm like, I just gave my life to Jesus. Told my best friend. He's like, that's awesome, bro. That's so amazing. And we're walking to the car. I just start like, the tears just start falling. Like, and I start asking myself, Kevin, like, what is wrong with me? <laughs> what is wrong? He's like, I don't know what's wrong with you. <laughs> and I started to say, man, I'm saved, man, I'm saved. I'm going to heaven, man. Oh, my God. I'm saved. And I didn't know because I didn't know how to handle it that yeah, yeah, yeah. I was just filled with the power 
of of the Holy Spirit. And so when we come to church and we're singing and, and there's prayer and the word of God is preached. And many times you leave church and you say what? That was powerful. powerful. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Means that that whole experience was full of power. Come on. And so when you become a Christian, what Jesus said is that you receive the Holy Spirit. Yes. And he's also saying that you're filled with the power of God on the inside of you. And so your life is your soul is uh, just like this phone. Right. Eventually, if you don't charge it, right. you charge it, the battery goes down, it goes down, it goes down and you die. And a lot of Christians are just like our phones. We receive the Holy Spirit and a lot of people don't understand this. There's a difference in receiving the Holy Spirit. Versus being filled with the Holy Spirit. Right, 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 right. So yes, yes. you can receive him on Easter Sunday. But if you don't stay planted in a church. Three months later, you're going to wonder why am I not walking in this power that the Holy Spirit reveals? What I've come to find out is that the local church. Go ahead and write this down. Is your charging station. You got to stay plugged in. Yes. And I think that's kind of what David was getting at. You can take everything. Take my friends, take the accomplishments, take the, you know, the accolades, take the good times, but give me the power of God. Correct. The local church is your charging Station. I love this verse here. When the church was born, it says this in Acts 4, verse 31. It says, after this prayer, the meeting place shook. So they were praying. The church was praying. The Holy Spirit has been released. They were all filled. Someone say filled. filled. With the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Right. They were all filled with the Holy Spirit then. So the word power that Jesus uses a few verses ago is dunamai in the Greek. If you're taking notes, power is dunamai. It's where we get the word dynamite. Yes, that's right. And this is the God given ability to perform. Mm. Wow. Wow. And so a lot of us as believers, we wonder, man, why is my resolve weak? Why am I falling victim again to depression and and, and small thinking and limitation and why, 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 Because you've, you, you haven't been connected consistently to the place that can, that can fill you, which is the local church. And simply put, you need the power to perform. It says this. It says, what did the verse say? It says, they were filled with the Spirit then. They were filled with the Spirit then. That's right. That's right. They, they were filled with the Spirit, then they walked into that meeting. They were filled with the Spirit, then they studied. They were filled with the Spirit, then they had that forgiveness talk. Yes, this is good. They were filled with the Spirit, then they parented well. Come on. They were filled with the Spirit, then they overcame that addiction. They were filled with the Spirit. You're trying to do it in your own power. Right. And you're trying to buy another book and yeah. Come on. Yeah. listen to another audio book. Jeez. And Jeez. 
and do your affirmations and your manifestations. No, 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 no. We're not tapping into the dark realm. We're going to be filled with the spirit then. Filled with the spirit then. Right? Why can't I love my wife? Why can't we just get this thing right? Because you're trying to love her in the flesh. You're not loving her in the spirit. Why can't I gain peace at this job in this current situation? Because you're trying to do it in the flesh. You're trying to, you're trying to process through it. You're trying to, and all, none of that's, you know, like processing and, and thinking and reading. It's not bad, but whenever there's no God component to it, it's going to leave you weak and discouraged. And then the church is number two. I've come to find out in 16 years, a place of prayer. A place of prayer. I don't know about you, but, but I need that place of, of prayer. What is prayer? If you're taking notes, prayer is this. Prayer is asking God to get involved. It's the place of prayer. Or you can put, it's petitioning heaven. Like, come on, God, where are you? Come on, come on. It's asking God to, to get involved. I, I remember um, it was uh, October 15th. Um, 2016 Saturday and the next morning we were launching Highlight Church we're going to start public services for Highlight Church and uh, we were at the U-Haul getting our stuff and you know normally you swipe your card or you put in your code and the door opens and we can go and get our stuff and you know because we're going to put it at Shady Grove Middle School so we can set up the next morning Um, this particular evening our codes didn't work, and our card didn't work. And I'm like, okay. We're taking a major step in obeying God. Here comes the enemy's attack. That's why I can't wait to do round. It's like, you know how the enemy plays around. We're about to launch a church. People are going to get saved. Families are going to be changed. And the devil know we're crazy. He knows we're going to do a lot of things that people don't do around here. That's just who we are. Right? I like we do some crazy stuff. I remember that first Easter egg drop. I was calling. And one lady told me, you will not do something like this in this county. I said, lady, you don't know who you're talking to. I do what I want. I did. I told her that. Because when Jesus tells you, it's just in the story. So it was locked. And so um, you said this in the documentary. You remember this, Pastor Chow. You said, I said, all right, everyone, stop. Stop trying to kick the door in. We don't want to get arrested. Because Chris is ready. Chris thug life, man. He, he'll just break it in, Lance. Now chill, guys. Let's petition heaven. Yes, yes. I think that's more strategic, cleaner. I think God's going to just open the door and we can go in. You know? right, right. <laughs> and so you remember you said in our five-year documentary that pastor just said, everyone stop, let's pray. And we did. We prayed. And in our townhome, you were praying, you were praying, and some other women were praying. And you said in prayer, you saw a beam of light transcend the earth's stratosphere. It's as if in prayer, God sent an angel. 
And we were calling everyone local, regional, national. Couldn't get anyone on the phone. We finally got someone on the phone. His name was Isaac. And if you really know the vision of Highlight Church and how God gave us, God gave my wife a dream and, and the interpretation of Genesis 26 and how this character in the Bible, Isaac, plays a part and why we even moved to Maryland, you understand how supernatural this moment, this night was. That beam of light transcended, finally got someone on the phone whose name was Isaac. And within two minutes of talking to this gentleman, he said, okay, try your cart. Chris tries the cart, bloop, doors open wide open. We run through like crazy. We're acting up, we're celebrating, we're crying, we're jumping, we're high-fiving. Because it's like one o'clock in the morning. But we just simply stopped. Yeah, come on now. And we prayed together. There was no busting down doors or anything. We prayed. God dispatched an angel. It wasn't really a person. It was an angel named Isaac. He said that the, the, the heavens will open this door up. We popped the card in and the door was open and we launched Highlight Church. And now we're sitting here to yeah. prayer. Prayer. And one of the greatest things I ever experienced in my first church was my pastor instituted um, Saturday morning prayers. And I'm like, whoa. And they were at 6 a.m. And we prayed every Saturday morning at church, 6 a.m. And it was there where I learned about the power of prayer and how we do a lot of fighting and a lot of stressing and a lot of arguing. But simply if we would just stop and get together with fellow believers and pray. That's right. That's right would get out of God's way and he would start to move. This is what I've come to find out in 16 years is that first it's prayer, then healing. It's prayer, then healing. You're looking for wholeness in your life. It's getting with the people of God. It's praying and then you heal. You're carrying a burden. It's getting with the people of God, praying in the Holy Spirit, supernaturally lifting that burden. It, also, it says this here, the brother of Jesus says, James, go ahead and pull that up, says, are you hurting? Pray. Do you feel great? Sing. Are you sick? Call the church leaders together to pray and anoint you with oil. Oil represents the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, in the name of the Master Jesus. Next verse says this here, believing prayer will heal you and Jesus will put you on your feet. And if you've sinned, you'll be forgiven, healed inside and out. It's prayer, then wholeness. It's prayer, then the assurance of God's love. It's prayer, then the assurance that tomorrow is going to be okay. But you got you to gotta be here so we can pray. I've also come to find out that it's first prayer, then peace. It's prayer, then peace. You don't need a new job. You don't need to switch schools. You don't need a new spouse. It's peace. Y'all need to pray together. It's prayer, then peace. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says this. Don't fret or worry. Instead of worrying, pray. Here it is. Let petitions and praises shape your worries into prayers, letting God know your concerns. So don't worry. Pray. Next, next thing here. It says this before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, everything coming together for good will come and settle 
you down. It's wonderful what happens. Pull it up, pull it up, pull it up. It's wonderful what happens. I got to read it from here. It's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. It's prayer. It's prayer. Then peace. It's not a drink. It's not another weekend. It's, it's replacing the party life with the prayer life. Because one is going to drive more and more tension and stress and depression. One is self-medicating. The other is healing. And I know I'm not jumping around and hooping around. Like God told me to don't yell. Teach. And those who have ears to hear will hear. And, and their lives will be, you can start it, Jason, and their lives will, will be changed. He says, it's wonderful what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life. Just simply through getting together, brothers and sisters, and saying, hey, that's enough worrying. Let's pray. Let's pray for each other. Now, I've also come to find out that is first prayer, then blessing. <laughs> it's prayer, then blessing. The, the further along you get in Christ, the more you have to learn to get out of God's way. And stop trying to force it. Stop trying to change people and change situations. And stop trying to open doors that God hasn't given you the key to open. You just got to stop. It's killing us. It's weighing us down. But prayer, prayer is a tool. It's, It's a gift. It's a weapon. And it's just so easy to do. But when we do it together, it's even better. Jesus said these words in Matthew 18. He says this. Also, I tell you this. He was telling them a lot of stuff also. If two of you agree here on earth concerning anything you ask, my Father in heaven, you don't have to do it. I'm just calling you to pray. The one who is in control of it all the one who has power over it That's right. will do it for you. Place of prayer. Um, place of prayer. I remember times my, uh, my best friend and I, we would just pray. We would, we would pray. And, and it was seasons of prayer that broke addictions. It was seasons of prayer that released finances, that, that, that um, introduced key relationships, that opened the doors to certain opportunity. Before we moved to Maryland, we prayed. God, we, we need jobs. We, we need a, a place where the church is going to worship. We need the right people on the boat. We prayed. We didn't force it. We prayed. I remember my wife, uh, she, she was the only breadwinner in, in our house when we moved 
to Marilyn, a nurse. And so we had an amount that we were praying for. Her job was to pray and apply, pray and apply, pray and apply. And she got three, three offers. She had to feed four mouths, herself, myself, and our two boys. I was advised not to work to build the church. The first offer came in $8 short. The second offer came in $6 short. The third offer came in $4 short. Finally, on that fourth offer, they offered her exactly what we had been praying for. She didn't force it. She just turned down the good thing for the God thing. And we prayed. We prayed. We prayed. We prayed. And here's effective corporate prayer, guys. There has to first be a gathering. We got to gather. Where two or more gather. There has to be an agreement and you agree on it. Jesus says you have to agree. You got to touch and agree. My mom needs healing. My body. You have to agree. And then there's requests. Asking whatever. My father in heaven will do it. When we gather, when we agree, and when we request, God is going to move. That's right. Who have you been praying with lately? And if you plant yourself in the place of prayer, go ahead and put this up. The place of prayer and the place of power in prayer makes all things possible. You got to remember the works of the enemy are the works of separation. So I, I go as far as even saying this, and we're going to close this out. Some of you are here, you're serving every other Sunday, but you're still disconnected. Because you're not allowing the relationships that God has brought into your life to go deeper throughout the week. So you're getting about 33.33% of the pie. It's power and prayer. If you commit your life to it, I promise everything in the next 5, 10, 15 years will look totally, totally different.